feel of light coming to me. Show me what I need to see. Welcome to the Small Victories Podcast. I'm your host, Pauline Victoria, an inspirational thought leader that offers transformational perspectives based on my unique experiences as a woman born without arms and legs. I feel like my life has been full of small victories that has led me to discover the greatness within. I believe that there is no summit upon which we reach our greatness. I believe it is a culmination of small victories achieved moment by moment when we turn toward the inward battle where we get to choose despair or hope, misery or miracles, defeat or victory. My goal is to awaken your potential, your purpose, and your power so that you can discover the greatness that lives within you. Think of this podcast as your weekly portion of tools, stories, and teachings that help you reflect on the small victories in your life. Thanks for tuning in and let's begin. Thank you for joining another episode of the Small Victories podcast. I'm your host, Pauline Victoria. Are you ready to take your business global, but unsure how to translate your website and marketing copy to fit the cross-cultural markets? If this is you, then you'll want to pay attention to this episode, because today we're talking with Levent Yildizgoren, founder of TTC We Translate, a company who helps you expand your business internationally. Levent was born in Turkey, but has spent the last quarter of a century running a highly successful professional localization service based in the UK. His decades of learning about the pitfalls and prizes the export market presents are shared in his book, The Lingo Model. He has helped companies to do business in more than 100 languages. Levent, thanks for coming on the show. Hi, Pauline. Great to be with you. Thanks for bringing this to my attention because I had never, ever thought about going internationally and what would be required for me to do that in the most seamless way possible. And so I appreciate you reaching out to me to be on the podcast and I look forward to hopefully expanding people's vision of what's possible for their businesses because perhaps they didn't think about it either. So we're just going to get to know you and your business a little bit more. Let's start with you. You're the creator and the mastermind behind all. So share with us what made you want to start your company to help translate languages for others. Thank you for asking. And thank you for this opportunity, Pauline. Um, I'm actually co-founder of the company, which was originally founded by my wife. When we had our first children, first child, she didn't want to go back to full-time employment, but nevertheless, she didn't want to get disconnected from working life. So she formed this uh, boutique transition company, translating from English into Turkish mainly. And I was helping her along the way. That went on for, for a couple of years. And then in 1995, we had an opportunity to acquire a, a slightly bigger business than ours. And at that time, it kind of became necessary for us to take the next step, which became a little bit unmanageable for my wife at the time with two small children. And uh, I always wanted to be in control of my life. It wasn't the pound signs or dollar signs. It was more like being in control and making our own decisions. So without hesitation, I resigned from my job. I was the director at the time at a, in a printing company. Two weeks 
I was at home working with my wife alongside in, in our part of our living room because we had that job that had to be dealt with. We had no chance to hire an office or anything like that. So we converted part of the lounge into an office with computers, desks, and we had French doors. Children were at the other side. We hired a babysitter. It was kind of traumatic times, especially for my small daughter at the time. She would come after a few hours and say, Mommy, Mommy, why can't I come over here? <laughs> and every time phone rang, we were saying, Be quiet, children, we got to talk to customers. At the time, I mean, nowadays with the pandemic especially, remote working is perfectly okay. Mm -hmm. And people are proud to say, oh, I've got a dog running around or cat running around or my child may walk in, so please excuse, which has now became part of working life. But at the time, it was kind of a bit of a taboo, you know, working from home. So this kind of took us, you know, that project. We hired an office, developed the company further. And we realized that actually, we weren't just translating one word to another word in another language. We were connecting people. We were making their message get across to other countries. And as a result of that, people were growing their businesses, getting their products, service to other countries. Then it became a lot more meaningful for us. And we love that fact. It's almost like communicating people in a different level. So that part of the job is very satisfying. And we never look back. I mean, this is our 30th year. <laughs> so wow. we never look back. And yeah, that's, that's the satisfying part of my job. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you just described in terms of your journey, because I think a lot of people who are entrepreneurs who are pulling themselves by the bootstraps can relate to that because you do with what you have in the moment, you know, like right now. I'm recording this interview from my quote unquote office, which is really my bedroom. <laughs> so <laughs> just work with what you got. And in the other room is my son who's is homeschooling. And, you know, fortunately he's older now and he can pretty much handle it on himself. And I just facilitate the schooling. Yeah, but, yeah, you yeah. know, it, I appreciate anybody that can go through the struggles and the ups and downs of the roller coaster of entrepreneurship and stay with it. And now 30 years you're here. And I love how you said, it's not about just translating words. It's about the connection for people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, yeah. and sales is all about relationships. And when you can create the relationships across borders, it will naturally yes. increase your income. Yes. I mean, at the time it was going back 30 years ago, it was interesting that we didn't do any spreadsheets. We didn't do any calculations. It was like a very much like an emotional decision. You know, I'm not suggesting that people should make emotional decisions about their future. I mean, we were confident that we could do it, but the decision was emotional. It wasn't based on, oh, okay, now we'll make X amount of money more. We'll, oh, this will be, oh, okay, let's do it. It wasn't like that, you know? And I suggest that if your listeners, if anyone thinking about doing it and they are confident that they can do it and they are passionate about the subject, I think it's important to take that step forward. Such a wisdom nugget right there. So maybe if you're listening to this and you can relate saying there was no thought process or logical reasoning that came into my decision to start my business. It was just something that my heart, the feelings and the emotions yeah. within yeah. me said, do it. 
and we follow that intuition. Some people call it intuition. Some people intuition, call yeah, it yeah, divine yeah. intervention. Some people call yeah. it listening to your higher self. Whatever it is you want to call it, oftentimes the greatest things are on the cusp of that pool and that passion and emotion. So thank you for sharing that. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> so why is it important for people to get proper translation? Because I could easily say, well, there's Google Translate. I got it. I don't have to pay for yeah. someone else to do it. Yeah. And there's so many yeah. different translation services now. What makes yeah. yours distinct from everything else? Yeah. Very good question and very logical question. Now, I'd like to go a step before you're thinking about doing translations. Because the reason that somebody would think of translations, something having in another language, is the time that they will be either making an, an effort to connect with a target audience in another country, or it could be a, a demand that they received from a customer. Sometimes customers will, will demand things, you know, okay, I want to know more about this. Please send me this in German or English, or if it is a customer outside English speaking countries, they say, well, please provide this in my language because I want to understand this device or this service. So this is the time companies need to make a decision about how do I get this information available to this customer? But if we go beyond that, many companies in my experience, you know, working with dozens of customers over the years, some have a strategy in place to expand to other countries. Now, typically when we are running our own businesses, and I, I totally understand that we are too busy running the business, too busy making calculations and also try to control the cost. So we are too much focused on profit and loss accounts and trying to cut the cost, make it more profitable. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I do it myself and I encourage everyone to be on top of those numbers. But when it comes to growing the business, profit and loss, you know, checking PNL accounts is not everything. I'll tell you one example. When Apple said they are taking iPhone to Chinese market in 2009, their shares have gone up because stock market knew that by taking that product, which was already in demand in many countries, to a huge market would bring a lot of benefits. So just by adding another channel to their product range made Apple shares even more desirable. And Apple wouldn't be the company today if they were not operating outside the USA. So nothing wrong with checking the PL, trying to cut the cost, but the most important part of growing the business is adding another market. And this is really going global, you know, extending to another export markets. So at that time, companies who are really successful are the ones that follow a certain methodology. And part of that is localization. So if I'm trying to sell a product to a, a customer in Italy, or it could be a service in Italy, and if it's not in Italian, chances are, one, they will not understand the, the finer details of the product, even if they speak English. Now, there are lots of English speakers in the world, but when it comes to making purchasing decisions, people rely on their native language. Why? Because what are the final details of this product? What are my return rights? Can I return this after 60 days from the date of purchase? Is it from the date of delivery? 
Is it from the date of complaint? So there are so many details that people take into account. And if they don't understand those details, guess what they do? They just go into another page or, you know, if it's a, a website, they'll just go to another website. And so they're not interested. It will never catch their attention. So companies like Apple, Samsung, the large brands, I mean, look at Airbnb. I don't know how many billions of valuation they are, I think maybe 40 billion, if, if not more. And every time they edit a language, their value has gone up. And in terms of localization, they are great because you can use Airbnb in South Korea, in Japan, in Turkey, in USA, in UK, and users feel at home because it is localized for the target audience. Now, when it comes to that level of quality, automatic tools never do it to that level. I'm not saying people shouldn't use them. I use it myself. Artificial intelligence, machine translations, I use it myself. The critical part is the purpose for which you will be using them. If it's an email, I receive an email in another language, what do I do? Do I send it to a translator? Doesn't make sense because it could be a spam, it could be a message has nothing to do with me. So I just put it into Google Translate <laughs> or one of the automatic translations. You know, it's perfectly fine. But when it is a critical message about a device, a critical information about a service, especially if it's a high ticket value, then why would I risk that with an automatic translation tool? You know, having translated by a professional with years of experience that knows the subject, then I feel at home. It is almost like, you know, if I have a serious health condition, it's almost like going to any general practitioner saying that, doctor, look, I've got a serious problem. Can you please cure this? Chances are they'll have an opinion, but I'd rather go to a specialist who are expert in that particular area. I'm not bad-mouthing automatic translation tools. On the contrary, I'm grateful for what Google has provided because it enabled people to communicate. I mean, my daughter-in-law is from Bulgaria and when her parents came over, it was mainly with Google Translate that we could just communicate between ourselves. And I'm grateful for that. We didn't have to pay anything and it helped us but of course, anything that is very confidential or very detailed, for instance, I wouldn't buy a, purchase a house or anything serious using Google Translate. <laughs> not, not that it may do something terribly wrong, but I wouldn't take that chance. And I, I would recommend that a company with a serious product or service not to take that chance because in the scheme of things, the cost of translation compared to the rewards they'll be getting will be comparable. <laughs> Yeah. So what you said there is if you're looking at expanding your market globally, take the risk because it will naturally increase your profits because you're entering a different market. And I can imagine as you're speaking about Google Translate versus professional translation services, such as the ones that you provide, the difference with the details of maybe technical words that might need to be used, but I can also imagine that there is some cultural nuances that exist in language that is important to note when you're translating your different copies, you know, through your marketing yeah. materials and such. Do you have an example of how that might? It's, it's a very good point, actually, Pauline, and this is really spot on. One example, French. I mean, there are so many differences of French. There's French for France, French for Switzerland, French for Belgium, French for Algeria, 
they still speak French for Canada. And one of the words for children in French is Legos. I'm not a French speaker, it's just an example that I've, I was given by my French colleagues. And Legos means one of the words for children in French, France. Think of a sort of a company that is doing children's products or book or anything like that to do with children. And they say, look, French is French. Let's use this in Canada as well. In Canadian French, it is understood as testicles. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's one of the words. Now, that's quite an unfortunate example. Mm. I mean, it won't be many like this. But again, if you think of confectionery, what we call confectionery in the USA English is called candy. Mm-hmm. You know, candy doesn't make any sense. Say a confectionery firm trying to sell something or market their products in, in the UK and they use candy, it won't connect to people. Mm. They may understand what they mean by candy, but you need to have an emotional connection to a product, isn't it? The big names use this really well, like Cadbury. Here in the Cadbury, people grow up with Cadbury. So they use this brand, making people reminding of their childhood and the relationship they had, their parents or grandparents, Mm. you know. So even with chocolate and food, there is this emotional connection. So using a a name that is not familiar with the audience would not make that connection. Candid confectionery. And there are many examples. I mean, I think it was Mark Twain who said England and USA are the two countries divided by the same language. Mm. Less table this motion has got a different connotation in English than it is used in the USA. When it comes to cultures and languages, I don't think anybody should take a two chance, especially culture, because with culture that makes us, isn't it? That makes us who we are. We are a product of our social environment. And when we hear stuff that is not quite what we used to, we get onto defensive. You know, we. <laughs> we Yes, it, it can get lost in translation. Um, yeah, I've experienced yeah. that myself as, an, you know, I host for Airbnb. And so we've had a lot of European guests. And when they communicate to us through Airbnb and it translates it, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm nervous about <laughs> accepting this person because I'm not sure about how the <laughs> message isn't coming across straight. And after meeting them, they, ex- they can explain a little bit more of, of the yeah, conversation yeah. in which they meant it. And I think more than anything, your customers want to be seen and they want to be heard. And so if you're not speaking a language that allows them to be validated in who they are, you're going to lose that emotional connection. Yeah, that's it, Pauline. Spot on. <laughs> Thank you, Levent. Is there anything you'd like to say as we close the interview? Yes, I'd love to offer... I've written a book um, in published in October, Amazon bestseller called uh, Good Business in Any Language. And I give many examples of success stories. I also talk about a methodology that I developed working with dozens of customers over the years. I call it Lingo, which is a five simple step to go global. I'd love to offer this to your listeners. They, oh. It's totally free on me. They can visit levant.team and they can download the ebook and there are other goodies as well also a connection to a facebook group for that purpose for going international so and if they have any questions they can contact me i will be only happy to, to talk about international expansion cultures anything to do with languages 
That's amazing. Thank you so much. We're going to go ahead and link that in the show notes for you. So just go to the show notes and grab Levent's book and see how he may be able to help you expand your business internationally. Levent, I want to first thank you so much for being on the podcast and coming into my world. Here are this episode's takeaways. The most important part of growing your business is adding another market. It is culture that makes us. We are a product of our social environment. Customers want to be seen and heard. And if you're not speaking a language that allows them to be validated in who they are, you're going to lose that emotional connection. When I met Levent and learned about what he did, I did not see the relevancy to my life or my <laughs> business. But as I reflected more, perhaps it's because my vision was too small. Perhaps others come into your life to expand what you think is possible for your life and business. So here's a tool you can use as you expand your vision for your business. Because when we can dream without limits, we are setting ourselves up for victory. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Small Victories Podcast. And until we meet again, be blessed. Angel of light, come into me. Show me what I need to see. You are my pathway into the light. Lead me from shadows to light. You
Show me what I need to see.